Praise the Lord. I'm excited this morning because I have no idea what the Holy Spirit's going to do, but I'm following the Holy Spirit. So be prepared to be surprised by joy. Be prepared for the suddenly. Amen? That's awesome. It's awesome how, how um, Tracy was, was listening to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit spoke words through her to prepare the body of Christ for the Word, and that the Word would be implanted in us so that we become more and more like Jesus every day. Amen? So, um, wow. In previous messages that I've uh, given up here, I've talked about the body. And um, we talked about the body in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, that our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit within us. And we are not our own. We were bought with a price. The blood of Jesus bought us. He purchased us. We are not our own, and we are to glorify God in our bodies. Romans 12.1 says, and, and this is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, I appeal to you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable, God, which is your reasonable service. It's just what is expected of us, is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And then over in 1 Corinthians 9, 26, uh, the Apostle Paul is, is writing again, and he's talking about the fact that uh, the Christian life is like a race, and that we have to train for the race, that we have to run the race according to the rules of the race in order to obtain the prize. And he says, I pummel my body and I subdue it, lest after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. So I talked about the body and how we are supposed to walk like that and to present our bodies as a living sacrifice and, um, and to glorify God in our bodies. Today, what I want to do is to talk about the mind. So get your Bibles out. And turn, if you will, to Psalm 139. Everything that I'm speaking to you today, as I mention oftentimes, is something that the Lord has done in me. And, um, and I mean, this, these are my message notes today. And there's just arrows going everywhere. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to follow them and follow the Holy Spirit and follow the arrows. So um, Psalm 139, and I want to start uh, with uh, verse 13. And I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. It says, You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Is that amazing? 
let me tell you something that's even more amazing. When a baby is born, I've delivered babies in um, private practice, and when I received the baby out of the womb and held this miracle in my hands, little did I know at that time, what I know now, is that baby, that baby's brain had 100 billion nerve cells. 100 billion nerve cells. I would say that is some pretty fancy knitting. <laughs> 100 billion nerve cells in a newborn baby's brain. In an adult brain, there are 100 trillion synapses. That's where one nerve cell will connect with a bunch of other nerve cells. And there in your brain right now, most of you I hope, there are 100 trillion synapses going on right now. When a baby is in the mother's womb at two months of age, each neuron, each nerve cells is making 5,000 connections with other nerve cells. And that is happening 1.8 million connections with other nerve cells are happening every second. 1.8 million connections, synapses being made every second, and that is going on from two months of age in the womb until two years of age. That I would say, is workmanship that is marvelous. When we were born, from the time that we were born, that brain was being molded and actually being shaped and formed by life experiences. So everything that we have received through our five senses is actually shaping our mind. It's making who we are. We were born with a personality. We were born with a soul. And, and all of those experiences were shaping our minds so that we become who we are. Turn to John chapter 3. Gospel of John chapter 3. Many of you will know that this is the Nicodemus chapter. And I want to read, so Nicodemus, <clears throat> verse 1, there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. <clears throat> Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. 
Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Thinking with that natural mind. And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water in the Spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind, but can't tell where it comes from or where it's going, you, so you can't explain how people are born of the Spirit. So what I want to say here is that that baby was born, and it was born with a hundred billion nerve cells going on, and all of those synapses making electrical connection with one another, and that brain is being formed by life's experiences, but it isn't until that person is born again that they become and have spiritual life. So there is a difference between a natural mind and a spiritual mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Flip over there if you will. And we're going to start in um, verse 7. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God. Now, let's start with verse 6. Yet when I am among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, His plan that was previously hidden, even though He made it for our ultimate glory before the world began." But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined. No mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by His Spirit. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. Let me read that again. For His Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own Spirit, and we have received God's Spirit. Not the world's Spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. Those people who are not spiritual are natural people. They have not been born again. 
They cannot receive those truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. In other words, the unspiritual person, the natural person, cannot know those things. And that's why he quotes Isaiah uh, 40, 13, he says, Who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach Him? It's a rhetorical question. And he says, But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. There is a huge truth there, church. We have the mind of Christ. The Greek word for have is echo, and it means, it, it, we translate it as our English verb have, but it means so much more than that. It means to possess, to make it your own. It becomes a part of who you are. That kind of having, um, it, it, it is completely within you. You have it. And so we... Because we have been born again, if you have been born again, we have become spiritual persons, and we have the mind of Christ. So, uh, hmm, following my arrows here. Uh, flip over to Ephesians 4.23. So, I want you to know that being in Christ Jesus, it's, that, it's Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So, because Christ is my life, He is my life, I have the mind of Christ. I can walk in the mind of Christ. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll start with verse 17. Oh, Ephesians chapter 4 is a marvelous chapter. And it's all about the church, the body of Christ, growing up into maturity, doing the work of the ministry, growing up into the head which is Christ. And then in verse 17, Paul writes, with the Lord's authority, I say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed, <clears throat> they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame, they live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, instead... Let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. In, the, in other versions, King James, New King James, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
So be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. He's speaking to us, church. He was writing to the church at Ephesus, but he was speaking for time and eternity to us. And he's saying, don't be like the the natural man who is only serving their lustful thoughts and their minds are closed and their hearts are hardened, but be put on the nature of Christ. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That is how we are to walk. That is how we are to think. Oh, that brings up another verse. So what does that look like? You might be saying, well, yeah, that's, that's really good, Lex, but, but how do I do that? What's that look like? Turn over to Galatians chapter 5. Now, you know in in 5.16, Paul says, So I say, walk by the Spirit and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. So because we are now spiritual and the Holy Spirit lives in us, we are to walk by the Spirit. As I said at the beginning, I'm not too sure what the Holy Spirit's going to do this morning, but we're going to follow Him. Because where He leads is good. And, um, and so, as we follow Him, as we walk in Him now, then here's what we're to look like. Verse 22, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Is that, how is that what your life looks like? Love? Joy? Joy? You have joy? Peace? Are you letting the world trouble your heart? Or do you have peace that passes understanding? Do you have supernatural rest in the midst of surrounding unrest? Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, all of those things, and self-control. Ooh, that's a big one. Self-control. The Greek word for self-control is inkrateia. Inkrateia. And it means to master the desires and passions, especially sensual appetites. That's self-control. So you're bringing all of those things that we receive in our body through our senses, through what we see, Hear, touch, taste. All of those things that we bring in, we are to bring in under self-control through the Holy Spirit. And that happens by and large where? In your mind. 
your mind in our walk becomes a battleground. Pastor Robert has been preaching about the worms in your brain. And so the enemy is going to sow the worms of deceit, the worms of lies. I was just reading in my quiet time this morning in John 8, where, um, where Jesus is talking to uh, the Jews, the Pharisees, and he's saying, <clears throat> you're of, your, you're of the, your father, the devil. He is a murderer from the beginning. He is only acting out his own character, and he lies all the time because he is the father of lies. And so we have an enemy, and the enemy wants to sow lies in our mind, but we can, according to 2 Corinthians 10.5, we can bring all of our thoughts captive to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because He has given us a free will. And we, by choosing Christ, can bring our thoughts captive to Him. So now, flip over to Philippians 4.8. You're probably familiar, and most of you have probably uh, memorized um, 4, 6, and 7. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then verse 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So Paul is bringing things to a crux, to a, a final thought, and he says one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. But how often do we let our thoughts devolve into the opposite of that? But church, we have the mind of Christ. We can walk in that mind of Christ. That mind of Christ, He has given not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God that we might understand the things bestowed on us by God. And so we can walk in the mind of Christ and we can fix our thoughts on those things that are true. What is truth? This is the truth. We should fix our mind on the truth, not on what the enemy comes and says, oh, did the Lord really say this? You better know the truth. And you better fix your thoughts on the truth, what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, those excellent things, those things that are worthy of praise. Flip over to John 6.38. Because I posed this question as I was meditating on this, is what, what did Jesus, what did He fix His thoughts on? <laughs> and I got this answer, John 6, 36, 
This is his bread of life discourse. He's talking about, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, uh, even though you have seen me. However, you, however, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. That's what Jesus fixed his thoughts on. Jesus said, I don't do anything unless the Father has told me to do it. He tells me what to say and how to say it. Do we do that? I know I don't. I, there are many and many a time that I've been out and I have, and I have caught myself, even on my prayer walk every day, and I, I catch myself saying, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Was that true? And I, was, and I tested against the Word. No, you're, you're speaking doubt. You're speaking worry. You're speaking fear. And he says, fix your thoughts on what is true and fix your thoughts on what my will is. Not your will, my will. What, how do we know what his will is? It's right here. That's why we need to feed on the word. It needs to be our daily bread, our nourishment. In fact, Jesus even said when he was at the, the well with the Samaritan woman and the disciples had gone off to get some food in the village and he's there alone with the Samaritan woman and they come back and, and he says, oh, I, I've already eaten. And I went, well, how can that be? You know, did somebody come and give you some food? And he said, no. He said, my nourishment is to do the will of the Father. That should be our nourishment. That's how we bring our thoughts captive to Christ. That's how we walk in the mind of Christ. Well, how is that expressed? How can we be sure that that's what we're doing? Well, um, that's really good. Let's um, look over at Ephesians 6.18. So you know Ephesians 6 is the, uh, is the uh, armor of God chapter, by and large. And, and, and he talks about putting on the, the armor of God. I won't go through all of those. But verse 18 is a very necessary part of the armor of God, and that is to pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So we are to pray all the time in the Spirit for everybody everywhere. That doesn't leave much out. And so as we pray, what are we praying? We're praying those things that are true and honorable and pure and just and excellent and worthy of praise. We're praying, hopefully you are, we're praying according to, to John, 1 John 5, uh, 13 and on, that we're praying according to His will. And we know that if we're praying according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have received what we have asked of Him. And so, 
When we pray, we are bringing our thoughts captive to Christ. So church is very, very important to be praying all the time in the Spirit. Because you are operating in the mind of Christ. You are letting Christ live His life in you fully as you walk in in Him. And as you come to the throne of grace and you bow your knee and you raise your eyes to heaven and you say, Father God, here I am. And you express your heart. Psalm 62 says to pour out our hearts to Him all the time. And so, let's pour our hearts out to Him in prayer. And then that is, that is the schoolroom of prayer where the Holy Spirit is right there with you. And He is, he is like it says in, in Romans, He is praying with you even when you don't know what to pray. The Holy Spirit is praying. And He prays according to the will of the Father. And so get into the prayer closet. Pray at all times. Pray while you're driving your truck. Pray when you're walking. Pray when you're in HEB going down the aisle wondering whether you should buy that box of Snickers or not. So <laughs> pray at all times so that you do not gratify the desires of the flesh. So thinking on those things that we saw in Philippians 4.8, this is one of my arrows, leads to praying without ceasing. Praying without ceasing leads to Matthew 21. Flip over to Matthew 21. This is where it gets exciting. Matthew 21, 21, and 22. So Jesus had cursed the fig tree, and they come along the next day, and uh, they, were just, they were amazed because uh, in the morning, no, so I, let's start in 18. In the morning, as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry, and he noticed the fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately, the fig tree withered up, and the disciples were amazed. Immediately, the fig tree withered up. And the disciples were amazed when they saw this and asked, how did the fig tree wither so quickly? And Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. I love it whenever Jesus says, in other versions, he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, but he says, I'm telling you the truth. That means my ears prick up because he's saying, I'm telling you the truth, if you have faith and don't doubt, you can do things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. You can pray, you can pray for anything, and if you have faith, you will receive it. So church, we have the mind of Christ. When we think on these things, when we bring our thoughts captive to Christ, when we walk in the Spirit and don't gratify the desires of the flesh, when we pray according to the will of God, this is what happens. We will walk in that. 
Jesus said it. He said, I tell you the truth. You can do the things like this and much more. Jesus said, because he's going to be with the Father, he said, you're going to be able to do the works that I did, and even greater work shall you do, because I go to be with the Father. And when I'm with the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to live in you. He's always going to be there. and He's never going to leave you. You will never be orphaned. He will always be there. He will always be reminding you of my words. And He will direct your paths. In fact, He will even show you things that are to come. That's His promise, church. Let's grab it, believe it, and walk in it. So... Um, I want to finish with a story. This is a really good story. John chapter 5. It's not just a story. It happened. It really took place. So let's start in um, chapter 5, John chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the Pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches, crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, Would you like to get well? 38 years this man had been ill. And Jesus asked him, Would you like to get well? And he says, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So this man had been laying there. I don't know how long they'd been carrying him to the pool. The story is, is that an angel would trouble the waters from time to time, and whoever happened to hop into the pool at just that time would be healed, but it only happened to the first one to get in there. And this man, out of his natural mind, is saying, I can't. I don't have it in me. I don't have someone to pitch me in the pool when the water is troubled, and therefore I am still sick. And Jesus doesn't even attend to his answer. He says... Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, I would say that is a suddenly. Things happen with Jesus. 38 years. Some of us have been in the same rut in our brain for 38 years. And yet Jesus can change it in a moment. Instantly, the man was healed. 
I can't get my head around this. He'd been ill for 38 years, and instantly he is healed. And what does it say? He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on a Sabbath. We're not going to go into that part of it for the moment, because I want to focus on this. This man who had been ill for that long met Jesus. Jesus said, stand up. I love the Greek word, anistomai. It means to rise up, to stand up immediately. And if you look through the Scriptures, everywhere that Jesus attends to somebody, anywhere that the Spirit of God attends to something, it's always a rising up. It is an upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Abraham took the high ground, Lot took the low ground. The bones in the valley in the vision were were raised up and flesh was put on those bones and they became a living army. They rose up. So wherever Jesus meets our problems, we rise up. But it's not just that, because look at what happened. He rose up, he rose up and he rolled up his sleeping mat. That sleeping mat was a symbol of his illness. He was tied to that sleeping mat. He laid on that sleeping mat. He couldn't do anything else. He, it was a, a, a symbol of all that was wrong in his life. And he laid on that mat, but when he met Jesus, and Jesus said, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk, he instantly jumped up, and he was healed, and he rolled up his mat. That mat that was a symbol of his old life, he rolled up. And as I pondered this, the Holy Spirit said, where else have I said that? Revelation chapter 6, verse 14. The sky or the heavens were rolled up like a scroll, and all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. And then in Revelation in chapter 21, verse 1, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. So Jesus is going to roll up this old world that has been groaning in travail together until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves groan inwardly as we wait for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so, there's going to come a time, church, when the heavens are going to be rolled up like a scroll, just like this man's Matt was rolled up, and he, was, he went from death to life. That's the way we can walk. So, in Galatians chapter 1... Oh, no, wait a minute. One more thing. <clears throat> and this just occurred to me this morning. I was in my quiet time, in my, in my time alone with the Lord, and 
communing, everything that Jeannie ta- talked about in Sunday school this morning. And, um, and I read the story about the woman who was caught in adultery and she was brought to Jesus. And, and they said, hey, you know, the law says we should stone this woman. What do you say? And so they're trying to catch Jesus in a trap and Jesus bends down and he writes in the dirt. And then he says, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. And then he bent down and wrote in the dirt again. And they quietly, (laughs) the older ones first, they just kind of melted away until Jesus is left with the woman. And he says, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. And as I, as I read that, it was like the Lord just went, Whoa! because I'd been pondering this message this morning. And he said to me, what do you think happened to her mind? She was facing death by stoning that day, that very moment, that very minute. She was facing death. And she met Jesus. And all of her accusers, or shall we say, the accuser with a capital A, left. And she was left alone with Jesus. And he says, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. And I can just, I just heard it, all the crackling going on in her brain, saying, I have been set free. And she started making new connections in her brain because she had come face to face with the truth. And the truth was going in, and she, I I think, she, this woman, became a new creation. The old had passed away, the new had come. That's our lives in Christ. And so it says in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So be sure that you stay free and don't go back into bondage to the law. So church, what I'm saying today is that we have the mind of Christ. Let us walk in the mind of Christ. We have been given the very... the very essence of the the Lord Jesus Christ. He lives in us. And He is our power. We can do all things in Christ who strengthens us. We will never lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He restores my soul. That's what we have. Don't let the devil... Capture your mind. Dwell in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you do, we read earlier Ephesians 4.24, put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen.
So let me have the prayer team up here. And um, so my, my petition to you is to um, examine yourself before the Lord. You've been given a very precious um, uh, gift, 100 billion neurons. You have 100 trillion synapses going on right now in receiving what I have spoken in the Spirit. These are spiritual words. We read about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, is that that speaking spiritual words, you can only uh, receive them with a spiritual mind. And so my prayer is that you receive the truth with your spiritual mind and purpose in your heart to follow hard after the Lord Jesus Christ. So why don't you go ahead and stand up and let me close for us. There may be some people who don't even know Christ. They're still in that time period before being born again. They have just come out of their mother's womb and have a natural mind. But you can be born again. You can be born again. Everybody here, people watching, listening, you can be born again by just asking the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your heart. So right now, as we prayerfully wait before the Lord, for anybody who, who does not know Christ, who has not been born again, those things that I've talked about today, is to go ahead and come right directly before Him because He died for you. His arms are open wide. And He says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears My voice and opens the door, I will come in to Him and sup with Him or eat with Him and He with Me. So right now, you can go ahead and just simply say, Lord Jesus, I open the door of My life and I ask You to come in and fellowship with Me because You've promised to never leave Me or forsake Me. I ask You to come in and let the Holy Spirit dwell in me and that I can have the mind of Christ. And now I can let my thoughts dwell on those things that are true and pure and honest and worthy of praise. And I thank you for that. So if you did that, you are now a new creation the old has passed away, just like for the woman caught in adultery. That old life has passed away, and the new life has come. And it is new, and it is fresh, and it is eternal. And for those of you who say, oh, I'm not there. I want to walk in that. I want to walk in the mind of Christ. I want to to have all of the fruit of the Spirit, especially self-control. I want self-control in my life. This world is after me with all the advertisements and all the sensuality. I don't want that. I want to be holy. I want to be like Jesus. If that's a cry of your heart, we have a prayer team this morning, and you can come up and pray with them so that they can agree with you. If any two of us agree about anything here on earth, our Father in heaven will do it. That's a promise. 
And so you can come up and you can agree with the prayer team that that is so in your life. Otherwise, I pray that this body of Christ will become, um, will grow up into that Matthew 21 where we will be able to speak to that mountain and that mountain will be, will be uprooted and thrown into the sea. That we will speak truth and the world will reverberate with that truth. So Father God, I pray that right now for us right here and everybody that's listening to this message, that we will walk in the Spirit, that we will walk in the truth, that we will walk in the light even as You are in the light, and we will have fellowship with one another. I thank You, Father, for the great and mighty things that You are doing. You said to call upon You, and You would answer us and show us great and mighty things that we knew not, and we call upon You now. We lift our eyes to You. We look into the sanctuary and we see You in Your glory and Your power. One thing that we have desired of the Lord and that we will seek after is to dwell forever in the house of the Lord. And that's where we want to abide. That's where we want to reside. That's where we want to have our home. So Father, I thank You and I pray blessings over all of these people, everyone that's hearing this Word, and that they will go forward in victory. Because You say, Fear not, for I am with You. Be not afraid for, or dismayed, for I am Your God. I will strengthen You. I will help You. I will uphold You with My victorious right hand. And we pray all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen and Amen. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.